Well, there is understandably caution in the air this morning as that conflict between Israel and Gaza isn't something that can be brushed under the carpet. It continues as we speak, and the question is, how much further will it go? So we'll look at how the markets have responded to that and some of the consequences, good and bad, from all of it. Otherwise, well, it seems rather mundane, perhaps, to talk about the NAB business survey, but it is important this time as we try to predict when and if the RBA will lift rates. It's Tuesday, the 10th of October, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, oil way high this morning, just as we suggested it would be yesterday. WTI is up 4.4%, Brent up 4.3%, over 88 a barrel now. Meanwhile, spot gold is 1.5% up. The US dollar uh, had pushed higher earlier today, but only by 0.3% on the DXY. Now it is pretty much where it was at the end of last week. But the Aussie is up 0.4% to 64 US cents, not what you might expect in the midst of a risk-off mood. The euro, though, down 0.2%. The pound flat, the Japanese yen, up half a percent. Treasury yields haven't moved because bond markets in the US are closed for Columbus Day, but they have rallied on futures with yields falling 12 basis points. Big falls in European yields. German 10-year bonds down 11 basis points. Uh, 10-year gilts down 10. Aussie 10 years were down to 4.52% yesterday, but overnight on futures down 7 basis points lower than that. Stocks, well, they didn't know where to go, but they found their direction in the last hour or so of trade. The Dow is up 0.6%, the S&P up 0.7%, the Nasdaq up half a percent. All were just in the green or the red uh, an hour or so back. The FTSE 100 just in the red at close, but a 0.7% fall in the DAX, 0.8% down for the Eurostoxx 50. So a bit going on. Now, Nabs Rodrigo Cotrill joins me this morning. So who knows where this war between Israel and Gaza goes, how this plays out. The spokesperson for the Israeli Defence Forces called it Israel's 9-11. We've seen a massive retaliation. It's going on against Gaza as we speak. Uh, Israel has called up 300,000 reservists. The question for oil markets remains, what, what does this mean for Iran? Uh, and we've seen a bit of an escalation in oil prices, haven't we, overnight? I mean, it was up 5% at the open, down a little, uh, still well up on the day as well. So, I mean, just a huge amount of market uncertainty. Yes, morning, Phil. Um, um, and, and I guess the, one of the things to point out is that um, given the, the, the magnitude of the geopolitical event, um, uh, the moves in markets have been relatively subdued. And, and I think that it's a reflection of, you know, there's still kind of we, the market's trying to work out exactly what will be the um, um, market consequences, if you like, from, from this conflict at the moment. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, the, the concern is that this could, could trigger a widening of players into, into this, this battle, if you like. Um, there's also reports that Israel is fighting Lebanon uh, in, in the border as well. So um, at the moment, from a, a, an economic perspective, this conflict is, doesn't affect the global economy as such. But if other players, if, and in Iran in particular, uh, was to be involved or, um, or Iran or sanctions on Iran were to, to be triggered, um, if, you know, those reports suggesting that Iran might have known or might have even been involved in all of this um, could have bigger consequences in terms of, um, um, you know, particularly the energy energy sector. Um, as you mentioned, what, what is interesting, though, is that the, the market reaction has been not quite uh, uniform, if you like. So we've seen, all, you mentioned oil prices going up around, well, they went up just over five and now they're up around four. Um, but what is also interesting is that we've seen reports of Israel, for instance, um, telling Chevron to 
um, to shut down production of the Tamar natural gas platform. Um, and when you look at the energy complex, it's actually LNG prices that are the highest. And um, we've seen them climb over over 10% at the moment. So, um, and to some extent, when you look at that and you see, okay, when in currencies, We've seen safe havens go up like JPY and, C- and, and the Swiss franc and commodity linked currencies are also performing whilst the euro um, is, is on the back foot. And, and I think that that link in terms of high energy prices, which is reflected in LNG, is one factor playing into the negativity yeah, in equity markets in euro yeah. compared to, to, to the big or not big, but uh, significant U-turn that we've seen in, in equity markets in the US. Well, in the US, um, the equity markets, the you know, the shares that are doing well are the oil companies and defense stocks. So Lockheed Martin is up 8.5% today. Airlines, as you might imagine, not doing so well if people get scared off flying. So Delta and Air, uh, United Airlines, for example, their shares down 4.6% today. Even Qantas was down 3.8% yesterday, just when you thought it couldn't get any lower. So uh, yeah, I just wonder what other asset classes, if it does escalate, how, how else could it play out? Um, yeah, it's, I think that the other thing as well is that whilst we don't know, uh, volatility is probably um, the, where where you will see that sort of erratic moves. You know, it's likely to be volatility, particularly in the energy uh, energy linked shares or, or, or the energy prices in general uh, are the ones where you will see the, the biggest moves, and um, and of course. Um, as it's become evident now, you, we've seen big moves in, in safe havens, you know, like um, core global bond yields, bonds have rallied the most since August. Um, and as you mentioned, the, the U.S. Treasury futures have also moved. But it's around 12 basis points when you look um, um, at what it will imply for, for the 10-year Treasury yield. So, so the Aussie is actually holding up quite well, isn't it? I mean, normally the Aussie dollar, any sign of trouble, we see that falling. So it's holding up fairly well. Look, um, there's a few consequences of all of this as well. So Chuck Schumer, who's the uh, the Senate Majority Leader, has been meeting with President Xi. Uh, and uh, it's been sort of like raising the question about whether China could, um, you know, try and make sure that Iran doesn't get involved in all of this. China, obviously trying to play it cool on all of that. But I wonder whether this actually changes the chances of a Xi-Biden meeting that we're sort of hoping for in November, which I think is why Chuck Schumer was meeting with him. It sounds like that's still possibly on the cards. Another consequence, though, is Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy, I should say, uh, might be returned to his role as leader of the House in the United States because there's a bit of concern about not having a speaker while all this is going on. So the quick solution might be someone who is supportive of Israel, which he is, and he's you know spoken about about that. Uh, they can't put together an aid package for Israel, for example, without a speaker. So they might put him in place. So the chance of a shutdown in November perhaps uh, is uh, put on the back shelf. Uh, less U.S. domestic politics while the focus is shifting elsewhere. Yes. So uh, in terms of your first point, I think that the the relevance of all of this is that notwithstanding the fact that uh, Schumer had been quite critical of President Xi, he was still willing to meet him um, yesterday or overnight. And uh, um, and that, again, bodes well for uh, the prospects of this meeting in Asia for President Xi and President Biden. So from that geopolitical sort of concern, uh, that certainly it seems to be a, a, a bigger appetite, if you like, from both sides to, 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 to at least meet each other. And there's obviously a significance for the presidents to meet. Um, as for the McCarthy comments, yes, um, um, I'm not sure what it means for, for the shutdown itself, uh, but certainly it does mean that uh, at least those um, support for, for Israel and for the Ukraine as well uh, is probably more likely now. Um, now, for, now, in terms of the... 
the the shutdown itself, um, I suspect we'll probably need to look at the details because if if McCarthy was to get back on on the chair, he probably had to you know uh, compromise or, or come up with some some sort of deal with the the, the more conservative side of the Republican. Right, but at least you got a, at least you got a man there who's looking for a compromise, though, rather yes. than someone who's just not looking for the middle ground. So that does increase the chances of it. Look, so that's all going on in the background today. Fairly quiet. If we if we if that wasn't happening, there wouldn't be a lot to talk about it today because it is fairly quiet, isn't it? So we've got uh, apart from the NAB Business Survey, of course, and the Westpac Consumer Confidence Survey, one obviously slightly more influential than the other, but the two together have been showing a bit of a consistent picture, haven't they, really, that businesses are more confident than consumers in Australia, but, you know, then consumers have to pay their mortgages. So that sort of explains that. So perhaps more of the same this time. Perhaps. And, and I will go a little bit further than that, is that the NAP survey is not just about confidence, it's also about conditions. And, and conditions have proven to be resilient. We've seen not only an improvement in the headline number in August, uh, but it was actually up across the board, trading, profitability and employment, all those sub-indices rose in, in August. So it'll be interesting to see whether that resilience, which has been evident for quite some time, uh, continues uh, as well in, in the survey today. Um, and does and resilience them, mean hikes? That's the question, isn't it? Well, yeah. And then ultimately, does it, does it actually, you know, force the hand of the RBA as well? Um, mm -hmm. Whereas the consumer, uh, the story of the consumer has been very concerned, very gloomy, but in terms of its activities uh, in consumption, they've actually been relatively resilient as well. So um, <laughs> um, in that sense, that's why the NAP service is probably a little bit more relevant at the moment uh, uh, relative to what the consumer coffee In the us. coffee shops of Mossman, they are drinking their lattes and eating their uh, avocado, avocado toast. On, on toast while saying, gosh, the economy is really bad, isn't it? Should we have another coffee to see how bad <laughs> it really is? Uh, look, uh, quite a few Japanese numbers out later today. The September Economy Watch, Economic Economy Watchers Survey uh, the August trade balance and the current account balance. On the Economy Watchers survey, uh, if you want to hear moderate language about a moderate recovery, this is what they said last time. The economy is recovering at a moderate pace. As for the future, the recovery at a moderate pace is expected to continue while Moderately. there is concern <laughs> about the impact of price hikes. A yes. bit of concern about inflation is what, they, but they don't want to use the inflation word. Everything else is it's all just moderate and lovely. Yes, and if anything, um, you know, those sort of leading indicators, the Economy Watch, um, the leading indicator, and of course the Tankan Survey, still are suggesting that Japan's economy is traveling relatively okay relative to, you know, what we've seen in other economies, particularly in Europe. Um, um, so um, the, the story there is still of, of a world-performing um, economy, which is obviously being supported by fiscal spending as well, um, but not not affected as much by but the sort of that energy crunch that um, uh, we've seen so far um, or in the past twenty four hours, if you like, uh, in terms of market reaction compared to Europe. So so that's an interesting dynamic as well that. Um, Japan is still performing and its equity market is also still performing well. Well, we also get the NFIB Small Business Optimism Survey for September, followed by the wholesale trade figures and the New York Fed's inflation expectation figure. Now, inflation expectations are one thing. The actual numbers later on in the week are probably a bit more useful. And a bunch of Fed speakers as well, including Bostic, Waller, Kashkari, the ECB's uh, Francois Villaroy as well. But just talking about the Fed, how much of the market turnaround that we've been seeing in the last hour or so 
is because I mean because nothing has changed in the you know in terms of the the, the risk that we're seeing in the Middle East. So how much of uh, the, the turnaround we've been seeing has been words coming out of Fed speakers? Yeah, I think that that's uh, um, that's one of the themes. Obviously, the CPI number in the US is a, the other big data release for for this week. But we have we are going to mm. get quite a lot of Fed speakers and and uh, during this week, and we already had a couple uh, overnight, um, and certainly. Uh, at least so far, this seems to be a little bit of a shift away from um, this, um, if you like, uh, bias towards hikes and, and more towards this idea of, you know, holding the cash rate uh, for longer at a high rate. And, and uh, Fred President uh, Logan uh, said overnight that if the term premium rises, they could do some of the work of the cooling of the economy for us. Um, and now, more recently, in the, in the past hour, we also had Fed Chair uh, Philip Jefferson making similar comments, um, saying that uh, you know now is the time to to be more cautious uh, and take into account uh, what has happened so far in terms of the monetary uh, tightening that, that we've seen so to to date. So uh, certainly a shift away from that sort of bias towards hiking and and more towards uh, holding and. And certainly what Jefferson said appears to be to have been one of the triggers for, for that turnaround that we've seen in the equity market um, in the U.S., uh, which, as you mentioned, from being you know, recording small losses, they're now up, up over 0.6%. Yeah, yeah, because we've reached the top of Table Mountain. We've, we're off the yeah. cable car. We're up. We're starting that long trudge across the top. Okay, well, let's hope they're right. Uh, we'll see how that all plays out and what happens in the Middle East over the next 24 hours. But uh, good to talk with you guys. Cheers, Phil. And that is Tuesday morning's Morning Call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. I'll be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you then.